Amen. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Let's try that again. How's everybody doing this morning? There we go. We awake. We awake. Well, I am so glad to be back. I don't know about you guys. I enjoyed the snow, but I was sad to not be here last Sunday and get to celebrate. So I'm actually really glad it's gone. It was cold. It was wet. And it's finally, I think, almost all the way out of here. And who knows what we'll get if we'll get more. But I'm so excited to be back. Uh, before we get moving forward, I want to reiterate some of those announcements because they're so important. So excited about this coming Wednesday, packing all those treat bags. And if you've been a part of that packing party, we, we normally do it at Pickett Elementary, and we normally knock it out in like 30 minutes. We'll pack all whatever, 500-ish bags in about 30 minutes. Uh, but this time, we're moving it here. Uh, obviously, Jennifer had uh, announced that and, and talked about it, but we really need your help because we're not just doing 500 bags, we're doing 2,000 bags. And so if you're like, oh, they don't need our help, we did it, you know, in 30 minutes last year and, and, and it's going to take longer this year, we need your help, we need your help, so please come and celebrate. It's always fun. It is like an assembly line. I mean, it is like little elves putting together bags and, and it's amazing to see how it all comes together. So 6.30 this Wednesday. 2,000 treat bags. We'll have snacks, refreshments, and it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a little party. So come out, celebrate. Again, with our mission trip, so excited about it. Coming up on January 18th through the 21st. That's a Friday through a Monday. We're going to be serving, working in this community, and again, we need your help. So there's plenty of opportunities to sign up at the kiosks, from cooking breakfast for these kids, to cooking dinner, uh, to, to cleaning, to preparation, to hanging out. It's, there's a whole lot of needs, and you can stop at the kiosk to, to, to sign up. And if you want to be a host home, please, please, please come and see me. It's not as overwhelming, I think. Teenagers in your house may be overwhelming. Uh, but I don't think it's as overwhelming as you think. You're not going to have them the entire day. You're just going to have them in the evenings as they settle down about 8.30 until the morning, and then uh, one portion of the afternoon around 2 o'clock about five o'clock. So if you're interested, whether you can keep three or eight or ten, or if you're really brave and, and you want to squeeze them out, you're like, eight, ten, what? Not happening. Um, actually, we already had someone step up to do ten, so challenge accepted. Uh, if you can host any, just come and talk to me. I'd love to, to kind of move that forward. So with that being said, we'll go ahead and jump in to this morning. I am so excited. Christmas is upon us. It's hard to believe I felt like it was yesterday that Mark was up here on the day after, or the Sunday after Christmas saying, well, Christmas is almost here. Like, I remember him. It's here. Christmas is here. And um, I'm so, so excited. But time flies. It feels like yesterday Elin was born and celebrating her first Christmas, and now we're moving on to her second Christmas. And I'm excited that she can enjoy it this time and open presents and just kind of celebrate with us. But time flies. And being that Christmas is upon us, I want to talk about it. It is the greatest story ever lived. It never gets old. And I hope you're excited. I hope you're excited this season. If not excited for all the festivities, excited about why we truly celebrate. About our Savior, our Lord, who has come. And I hope that you share this story with someone this season. Not only this season, but all year long. Um, so, so exciting. I'll go ahead and warn you, if you were here Friday, some of this message overlaps, but it's the message that God's put on my heart. It's the Christmas story, and we have to share it with each person we come in contact with. So what we're going to do today is we're going to start straight up into Scripture, and where we're going to start this morning is in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And at this point, we're skipping past the angels telling Mary and Joseph what's going to happen. 
So at this point, they've both been visited by an angel, Joseph in his dream and Mary in person. They've been visited by an angel and have been told, hey, Mary, you're pregnant and uh, you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. Imagine that conversation, right? Imagine the emotions in that. And then Joseph, uh, in the process of saying, hey, my wife's pregnant. There's probably another man involved. I'm going to divorce her quietly. The angel's like, that's not the case. Your wife's still a virgin. This is the Savior of the world. So hang in there. So this is where we're picking up. We're on our way to Bethlehem. And uh, again, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Jesus is about to be born. It gets pretty exciting. It says this. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Canarius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. And so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. They're waiting on the gift. They're waiting on the Savior to come as they travel. So we'll hold off on that. Keep that in mind. We're going to have a little fun this morning. How many of you, I've got a question, how many of you have ever been so excited about Christmas and maybe the many things that you're going to get or the memories you're going to make that you just couldn't stand it? Like how many of you love Christmas and you just love the waiting period moving up? Okay, so some of you are some like big Christmas fans. So I feel like that's the case for so many of us. And maybe some of you get this way every year. Like it's just so exciting. You can't wait until Christmas. And there's, there's nothing wrong with being excited about Christmas. And some of you are like, no, I get miserable and I can't wait for Christmas to be over. I've, I've met many of you who are like, I, I, Christmas is not my favorite thing because of all the stuff that we've kind of roped into Christmas and we've got away from the true purpose. Uh, but so many of us are just so excited about Christmas to come. And the thing that I've found in my life is that half the fun of Christmas is waiting on its arrival. Half the fun of Christmas is waiting for it to come. And so children and adults alike can hardly stand the anticipation of the fun and the gifts, right? I can't wait to get the new phone that I've been waiting on for a few months, or I can't wait to get the new video game or the toy or the tool or the television, or maybe you're going really big. I can't wait to get the car that I've been waiting on, right? I, I don't know. Not, that doesn't happen in my life, but maybe some of you for Christmas, you're getting a car. That's awesome. But I can't wait, fill in the blank, for whatever that you're waiting on. And we like to say, well, kids just do that, right? That's a kid thing. No, no, no. Let's be honest, adults. We do that too. We get excited about the gifts that we're waiting on or the fun things to come, and we count down those days. And this was something that I did a whole lot as a kid. Like, I would count down the days until Christmas, and I tested this out with my youth uh, maybe three weeks ago, and I was like, how many of you know how many days till Christmas? And it was like, boom. Like, automatically, they all could just shoot out how many days until Christmas, proving my point that we like to wait. And so I did this. I was so pumped up, so excited about the Christmas present or the Christmas Day things that I was going to get to do that I normally built it up way too much. And I'd finally get to that toy I'd been waiting on. I'd be pumped up, and I'd get to it, and I'd be like, wow, this is a dud. Like, I oversold this, I played with it for three hours, and now I'm going to have to pretend I like it for, like, three weeks because I built it up so much. But, like, wow, I, I, this isn't as fun and thrilling 
as I thought it was going to be. And you see, most of the time, waiting was more fun and thrilling than actually getting the present. Waiting was better than the present itself. And that's actually pretty sad when you think about it. We love to wait on things. Here's another thing that I've learned about Christmas. Whether or not you like Christmas, you know what's coming, right? You know what's coming. It's unavoidable. There are signals that, that we recognize that warn us that Christmas is on the way. For example, what is the day after Thanksgiving called? Black Friday. How many of you did some Black Friday shopping? Let's be honest. Anybody? One of, okay, how many did online Black Friday shopping? Okay, there's not as many as I would have I would assumed, or, or you're afraid to raise your hand, one or the other. It's all right. Black Friday, right? We go crazy. This world goes crazy. It's one of the biggest shopping days of the year. Following that's uh, Cyber Monday, another one of the biggest shopping days of the year. And they're only the biggest shopping days of the year because Christmas is on the way, right? Because you're trying to find all the presents for your friends and for your families. And so we make those days important and they point towards Christmas. How about holiday advertising? Everywhere you look on the television, things start to pop up. All the commercials change from like Halloween or whatever straight into Christmas commercials. And Valerie and I have decided that there hasn't been a new Christmas commercial made since like 1990, right? They're always the same. They pop up every year, and it just points to the fact that Christmas is on the way. What about when you go in into a store and you start to shop, right? And you get to the checkout, and this is the spiel you get. They're like, hey, today you're in luck. This is a special day. Today only, if you start a credit card with us and you start to finance, you're going to get 20% off. You're going to get a $10 di gift certificate on your first purchase. We're going to help you go in debt. Congratulations, right? Like that's, that's the spiel you get at every single retailer during the holiday season. Christmas is on the way. Websites assume their Christmas look. Retailers put out the most elaborate displays for Christmas. People run around like crazy people trying to find the perfect gift, getting in fights over the last Barbie doll so that you can, you know, make your daughter, your son happy with the toys on Christmas. All of this points towards Christmas. It's amazing. I went into to Lowe's two weeks before Halloween, and there, there's like 30-foot, like, Grim Reapers, right, that you put in your yard. And the, uh, I went into Lowe's three days before Halloween was, was here, and it was like Christmas exploded. Like, all the Halloween stuff was gone. Santa, reindeer, snow globes, like, Christmas exploded. We continue to put out Christmas earlier and earlier and earlier because we're so ready. We love to wait. We get so excited and pumped up about Christmas. You see, the truth is, is that we get excited about the awesome gift or the experience that we're going to have. We get caught up in getting the perfect gift for each person in our friend group or in our family. We get caught up in the perfect decorations. We get caught up in leveraging our money just right so that we can get what we want or we can get what our kids want for Christmas. We, uh, we get caught up in the food. We get caught up in the perfectly clean house, right? You got guests coming over, so you spend like three days cleaning your house so that when they get there, they're like, you're always so organized and neat. Even though it's your personal secret that you're not, right? It's just like one day a year, the house is clean and everything's shoved into that drawer and closet. You know what I'm talking about. It's me. It's, that's, if I have, yeah, that's, that's what's going to happen. Clean up just for that one day, right? We get caught up 
in all these things. We get caught up in, 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 in the expenses, and we expend so much energy. And none of this is necessarily bad unless we expend all of our energy on everything else and we have nothing left to give in celebration of the real reason for Christmas, Jesus. The real reason that we do anything we do at this Christmas time is because of our Lord and Savior. Jesus is the reason we celebrate. And maybe you've heard the Christmas story a hundred times, and it's just kind of an afterthought now, right? It's just kind of what you do. You just heard it. It's become a, a regular part of your life, and it's not really special anymore. And so today I hope that the Christmas story comes alive once more in your hearts, that you get back to celebrating the real reason that we do any of this, Jesus, our Savior, that you get excited about the one gift that was worth waiting on. You see, people waited thousands of years for this gift to come. Thousands of years. And his name is Jesus. And he has come in the most miraculous of ways. So can you imagine? Can you imagine this scene that we set in the beginning of Mary and Joseph waiting on the gift of all gifts? Waiting, waiting on the gift that was going to change everything. We wait from before October on a gift that's going to mean nothing. And Mary and Joseph, from the moment the angels told them what was going on, can you imagine? Can you imagine the anticipation waiting on the perfect gift that was to come? So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David. Because he belonged to the house in the line of David, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and expecting a child. I want you to imagine this morning. Imagine what this trip must have been like. Not the fact that uh, it must have been very difficult for Mary late in her pregnancy, right? I can't imagine how that must have been. Joseph coming up to her and being like, hey, by the way, by the way, honey, we, we got to go register back in our hometown. So we're going to go to Bethlehem. And, and you don't have a car or a plane. They didn't know what those were. You're going to walk there. You're going to ride on a, a camel there, whatever it must have been. Can you imagine Anybody have children? Any, any husbands? Okay, some, y'all, are, y'all aren't participating this morning. <laughs> some of you have kids, right? Husbands, imagine telling your wife that you're going to have to travel a long distance by foot when she is in her late-term pregnancy. Can you imagine how that conversation must have gone? Not good. Not good at all. Imagine the emotions that must have put both of them I think about my own wife. I know that would have not gone good. Honey, I love you, but that would have not been a good conversation. (laughs) Would have not. I would have been in, it would have been bad. She'd be like, you're carrying me. I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) More importantly than that, though, think about how amazing it must have been. Knowing that something so special was getting closer and closer and closer to happening. Joseph looking at the situation, knowing that this wasn't necessarily his biological child but knowing his wife was pregnant and still a virgin trying to wrap his mind around the whole circumstance of everything that was coming forth that this was the messiah what must they have been thinking what must their hearts have felt i talked about this on friday a little bit that if you have children you know that we dream of what our children will be like and I did this with my, my little girl, Elin. Before I even knew what her name was, I, I started to dream and to think about what she would be like. Will she look like me? Will she share some of my personality? 
What will she go on to do? What will her future look like? A million questions running through my mind that answers I didn't have. I just had to wait to get there to see what would happen. And Mary, Mary, carrying a child unlike any woman before, one with no earthly father, carrying a child as a virgin, knowing that this was to be a Messiah, the Messiah. And in her mind of, what does this even truly mean? How do I raise the Savior of the world? And then the time comes for the baby to be born. And the rush of what to do and where to go. There's no room in the inn that they were supposed to stay at. And so the fear, I'm sure, starts to rush up. And if you've ever had a child, ladies, you know better than I do that this is a time of preparation, right? Like you have a plan for this baby, whether it's at the hospital, it's at your home, you have an idea of who you want to deliver the baby, like you have a plan. And I imagine that Mary probably had a plan in mind of this whole situation. And so she's planning and she's preparing. And guys, if you've ever been around a lady who's preparing to have a baby, you know all the emotions this can bring up for her and for you as you get to bring a life into this world. And I go back to the conversation this must have stirred up with Mary and Joseph. Can you imagine? Gentlemen, again, can you imagine telling your wife, like, hey, honey, the hospital's full. So uh, the barn, the barn, we're going we're gonna to have this child in the barn. We'll get new hay, I promise. Like, we're going to get some fresh hay. We're going to push the animals aside. It's going to be okay. I, I put myself in this situation with my wife again. I can't imagine on the way to the Thomasville Hospital being like, honey, it's full so we got the doctor. They're going to come down to the barn, right? We're going we're gonna, to, the barn is, it would have not been a good conversation. It wouldn't have been. Can you imagine the emotions that all of this started to bring up? But then the emotions of where start to settle because the baby is on the way. And when the baby's on the way, when the baby's literally about to come, all, everything else just disappears. The Savior is about to be born going to change lives forever. Luke 2, 6 through 7. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and she placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Jesus is born. Born in the most humble setting. Born in a stable. Imagine Mary and Joseph holding this baby boy for the very first time, looking into this little child's sweet eyes, staring in wonder of the gift that has been given. What they know, though, is that they're holding their baby, an innocent Jesus, the one who's going to change everything, change their lives, change the world forever. Luke 2 8 through 20 says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, 
praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as had been told. You see, the story was shared, and more came to the scene. It had been shared in the most miraculous of ways. A show of angel, a praise, uh, a scene of music that lit up the sky. The racing hearts of these shepherds who got to experience a piece of God's glory. Put yourself in their shoes. They're out in the field. They're taking care of their flock during the night. And all of a sudden, the sky lights up. Not expecting anything but a normal night. And angels sing praises and tell them the most amazing story that they've ever heard. A tale of a Savior, and He's come. Not only a Savior, the Savior, but the Lord Himself. Come as a baby. What does it mean? We have to see. Imagine their excitement and the anticipation of their lives being changed forever. And so they rush off to see this baby boy. And they find Mary, they find Joseph, and they find the baby that they were told about. And they celebrate. You see, first it was just three of them, mom, dad, and baby. But now more. The word is spreading. And I wonder if in Mary and Joseph's heart, this just confirmed what was to come. What all it meant to raise a Savior. That something big was happening and it wasn't going to stop here. Was this their new life? Mary and Joseph questioning, what does it mean to raise a Savior? Imagine, no one's done this before. They're in it blind going forward. What does it mean? What does the future hold? You see, I often think we forget that Mary and Joseph didn't know the full story yet. Like, we know the Christmas story. We know what's to come. We know the challenges that they're going to face. We know the challenges that Jesus will face. But right now in this moment, they know none of that. They don't understand the challenges that are going to come and face them. They don't understand the loss and the glory that's to come. All they know is this sweet baby boy who has some very lofty titles, born in the most amazing way, in the most unusual place. But what was to come, they did not know. How could they even comprehend the world was about to change. They held the creator of everything in their arms. The one who was with God from the beginning. Right now, they knew the stable. They knew the manger. And that was their world. But you see, Jesus, he didn't come to stay in a manger. He didn't come to stay in this barn, in this stable. He didn't even come to stay a baby. He came to grow up. He came to save you and I. He came to save the world. But it started this way, a baby. 
a human, but also God, a baby that was changing everything and would continue to change everything. But you see, there was one. There was one who truly knew what was happening. One who knew the plan. One who created the plan. Who set it into motion. And that was God. And I know that we all know this. We know that this was God's plan. And we know that he knew exactly all that was going to happen. All the way down to the minute. But I think often we throw the emotion out of it. Of how it would have made God feel. We often disconnect God from the emotion of this night. And I think that's to our detriment because I do know this, that God created us in his image and his emotions are our emotions. How could we overlook how God must have felt? Can you imagine God looking down on his sweet baby boy, getting to see him take his first breath, the first flicker of the eye, the first teeny tiny smile, how wonderful it must have been, but also how painful knowing what was to come. How did it feel to see his plan in motion? How did it feel to see this, this plan that he'd been setting in motion from the beginning of time starting to unfold? I'm a father, and I'll be honest, sometimes it terrifies me to think about uh, where and the different paths that Elon could go down. And when you really think about it, it can be quite terrifying. You want your child to stay innocent. You want your child to stay pure. You want your child to be protected and safe forever. You want everything to be okay and everything to be good. But that's not a path that I can choose for her. But you see, God, God didn't have to guess. He knew Jesus would stay innocent. He knew Jesus would stay pure. But he also knew the hardship that Jesus was going to face. He also knew the challenges that he was going to experience. He knew what was to come from birth to death of Jesus. Can you imagine? Just for a moment, can you place yourself in God's place? The joy of that night, but also the deep pain that had to be there. Can you imagine? On this glorious night, a baby was born, a savior of the world, Mary and Joseph in utter joy, and God looking down with so many emotions. And I ask ourselves, why? Why would he do this? The answer is simple. You and I. He did it for you and I, his love for us. Let the reality of that sink in. And all of this is a huge deal. It's a huge deal. John 1, 1 through 5 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. And without Him nothing was made that has been made. And in Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind, the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And John is going back to Genesis, talking about the very beginning of time. And how when God created the heavens and the earth, he spoke it into the existence, right? The word spoke creation. And I've also often thought, what, is that, what does that mean? And John gives us the answer to that question. What does it mean? John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. 
We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and full of truth. You see, the Word was Jesus. And Jesus was with God from the beginning. With God was God. How amazing is that? Jesus with God from the very beginning chose to come down from his throne from his place of glory the one who spoke creation into existence came down to to be a baby to grow up to give his life for you and I born in the humblest of settings And again, if you're hearing this story for the first time, you ask the question, why would he do that? Why would he give up his throne? Why would he come down to this earth? He's doing it for you and I because of his love for you, his desire to have a relationship with us. And it would come at a cost. It would come at the cost of his life to pay the price for our sins. He could have chosen a million different ways to come. It would have been a lot easier to come as an adult and then just give his life. But it had to be perfect. It needed to be true love. It needed to be a sacrifice. And so he came as a baby to grow up, to experience all that we do, and then to give his life for you. A gift with a plan, with a purpose, a baby to change this world. And a man named Simon Simeon picks up on all of this, this perfect plan that God set into motion. Luke 2, 25 through 32. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout, and he was waiting on the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and glory to your people Israel. You see, salvation has come. A light not just for the chosen Israelites, but a light for all people. A light for every single person that would come to believe in the story of Jesus. And so this Christmas, we don't just celebrate a baby. A baby that would be forever kept in the manger. But a baby that would grow up. A baby that would turn into a boy who would challenge his parents at time, keep them guessing, right? Keep them on their toes as all children do. A boy that would turn into a man, tear the fabric of reality by performing amazing miracles because he was man, but he was also God. A man that had the power to do anything he desired and yet he would humble himself to serve the least of these. He would stoop down with his disciples and he would wash their feet because his power wasn't necessarily as important as setting the model of being humble servants for his people. One that sat on the throne and yet ended up washing feet. Imagine. A man who would be beaten, mocked, and crucified, killed on the cross, 
having parents like any parents, just trying to figure it out along the way, not knowing what was to come. A man buried, but three days later he would rise from the grave, bringing salvation to the world, proving that he is who he says he is, that all the prophecies that have been foretold for thousands of years lined up with the life of Jesus, that he is our Savior. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. This is what Jesus, what God, what the Holy Spirit accomplished. The greatest gift ever given wrapped in a manger on that quiet night. Everyone astonished and yet everyone questioning what was to come not knowing the greatest story ever was unfolding before their very eyes. And God watching down, seeing his plan, and knowing that this was the way to you and I. We forget that. Christmas, Jesus, this baby, is about us. It's his perfect plan. It's his love for you and I. You see, this quiet night, our hope, our peace, our joy, our mercy, our salvation had come. The wait was over. The thousands of years of waiting was over. The gift was given. And now we celebrate. You see, first it was three. Mom, dad, and baby. And might I add four, God watching down. Or maybe amongst them silently seeing his plan unfold. But then the story was shared in a show of God's glory. And more came to see. And now look, the story lives on today just like it did on that day. We gather to celebrate the true King, our Messiah, our Savior, our Lord, Emmanuel, our King. So today, I pray the story comes true in your heart. It's not the same story you've heard over and over and over that's become numb and unreal. But I pray today the story comes alive. And the question that I want to leave you with today is who will you share the story with? Who will you share the story with? Who will you help to make a reality the story of Jesus Christ? This time of year, it's so easy to get caught up in a thousand different things. I ask we get caught up in Jesus. I ask we get caught up in the real reason we celebrate. It's okay to have fun. It's okay to have presence. Jesus needs to be at the center. So who will you share it with? Who will you share his love? This true story lived out. And today we continue to celebrate. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, Maybe for the first time, this story of Jesus and his life is becoming a reality for you. It's becoming real. Maybe for the first time, you're starting to believe that maybe, just maybe, Jesus is who he says he is. And if that's you, man, I just, I'm, your life's about to change. Because all Jesus wants in return, he did all of this, and all he asks in return is that you believe. That you believe in your heart that he is who he says he is, that he is the savior of the world. The one who gave it all for you. That you invite him into your heart. That you believe on this day 
just as the shepherds believed on that day when they saw baby Jesus, that you believe in your heart. And Jesus changes our lives forever. My prayer is that you're on that threshold that you'll make that decision. You'll give Jesus a chance. That you'll place yourself on that day. Just as Mary and Joseph were staring to the eyes of the little baby boy, that Jesus will become a reality to you. Just as it was a reality for them. Share the story. Share Jesus. And let him become a reality in your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you so much for the plan that you set into motion. But I can't help but imagine how it must have made you feel to see this little baby that you sent to this earth, your son, Jesus, human but also God, and to see your plan start to unfold. The joy, the excitement, the, the reality of what was to come, paving a path for each person that would invite you into their heart to make a way so that our sins could be washed away, our, our relationship with you could truly be started the excitement of what was to come, but also the pain of knowing that your son would go through so much, endure so much, and that he would do it for us, for me, for each person that would come to believe. So I just pray today that if there's someone here that this story has never been a reality, that today it does become the truth. And if that's them, that they would just simply invite you into their heart, Jesus. I'm broken. I'm messed up. I'm a sinner. But I believe in this story. I believe it's true. I believe, Jesus, you're the Son of God. And I believe that you can change my life. Be Lord of my life. Father, we know when, when, when we make this decision, you change our hearts forever. You turn our lives inside out. You give us a hope, a future. You give us an eternity with you. I pray for each person here who's become a little numb to the Christmas story that this morning it becomes a reality. That we live the story of you, Jesus, in our hearts. And we ask ourselves the question, who will we share it with? We love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.